You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been cleared for takeoff. And welcome to the Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I am Tim Capper, along with Cliff on the other side. How are you, sir? Whew, little jet lagged, actually. It's been a, a whirlwind of a long weekend. But, wah, uh, wah. <laughs> I know, I, I know. You feel real bad for me. I, I feel I, so I, bad for you. I feel so bad. Yeah. You know what? You should have gone to bed when your mother told you to. You shouldn't have stayed up with those damn Piffles people, man. Come on. <laughs> Come on. There's something about those guys that just gets me in trouble every time, you know? Well, you know what? You know what it is? It's because your brother was there. Ah, yes. Blame him. Blame the other. (sighs) Family, right? Blame the other kind. Yes. Yes. It's his fault. It's that, that, what do they they call that? Uh, Giant phallic symbol of a hot dog. (laughs) What's that thing called? Oh, the dirty lineman. <laughs> Maybe that's to blame. Maybe uh, that monstrosity, that delicious, delicious monstrosity. Now, yeah. Now, did, now for those people who don't know or don't remember what we're talking about, Cliff was lucky enough to go on the on the fan plane this year, and um, you know, let, let's before we get into the game and the the news and et cetera, let's uh, what, what's your tell us about the trip, Cliff. Oh my gosh, what an experience. I mean, hats off to the Montreal Alouettes organization. I, I, I've been very curious. Lost for words. <laughs> Listen, there have been many missteps in the organization, but one thing that they seem to have gotten right is the fan experience when it comes to away games. Because let me tell you, this trip was unbelievable. I mean, at first from start to finish, like from the moment you go to Mirabelle and hop on the charter plane fly out to Regina and on the way back everything from start to finish was just absolutely fantastic everything just fell right into place and it was just such a tremendous tremendous time folks seriously I hope the team does more trips like this in the future if they do Edmonton exactly you gotta go west I mean no disrespect to Hamilton Toronto the other two fan plane games but I mean a 45 minute flight doesn't exactly uh stimulate the senses if you will as far as like getting people excited for football when you can drive to these places it just kind of takes away a busy alert but to, you can't just drive to regina in a weekend like this requires a plane trip and let me tell you flying into regina direct is awesome you just get there right away you're you know you're in football country and you know you're there to watch a cfl game but, and but how did you how, was, how did you know when you when you reach the tarmac because everything's flat out there how, how did you know Oh man, <laughs> people! When they talk about your dog running away for three days, and you can watch them do it, they're not kidding. <laughs> it's absolutely beautiful, Saskatchewan, but my God, is it flat! Yes. <laughs> and yo, you got to—I saw your, your your stuff on social media. Yo, you got to walk on the tarmac like a like a rock star, like a rock star. But no, this is this was a fantastic trip. Uh, 
it was great to be able to go and tailgate in Regina and seeing our, our pals over at the Piffles Pod. It was just an absolute blast. Uh, they were so happy to see us. Uh, good times all around. Uh, the beer was flowing like wine. And yeah, it was just uh, a trip that had tons of great memories, both on and off the field. And I say on the field literally because yeah. after the game, we got to do a meet and greet with the players actually on the riders field. So, I mean, how cool is that? Tell us about the, uh, your experiences on, on the, your flight experiences. Cause I know you told me, told me about a few things. Uh, well, uh, and some you didn't actually, it... so <laughs> this will be new to me also. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said, uh, the fact that it's a direct flight to Regina is fantastic. So it's only about three hours in a bit. So we, we were served, uh, thanks to the good folks at Budweiser, lots of beer, lots of Budweiser beer, uh, we were fed pretty well, and uh, you got to see an old friend of sorts with uh, Bad Monkey Popcorn. Don't worry, folks, we won't be eating any on the air today. But uh, as far as snack or options go, this it's... week or drinking. Nope, nope. Uh, we're keeping it clean this week. Uh, well, as clean as we can possibly be. <laughs> After last week's record of five, uh, five lunatics, you know, what, what's once? Um, <laughs> um, anything else? I mean, it was just like a normal. Airline flight, I mean, I know you said you ran into a couple of players that are currently on uh, either on IR or are or, or, or on the practice roster, right? Yes, actually. Uh, not only did we have Alouette's legend Etienne Boulet join us on the flight, we also had a uh, friend of the show, Matthew Schiltz, join us. Uh, Garrett Fugate was also on the flight as well. Uh, it was just a... Uh, it was really cool to sit and ch- talk with those guys. Uh, Matt's doing pretty good, uh, and he's actually was back at practice this week. Yeah, so yeah, today. definitely an encouraging sign. And even talked to him, I was like, dude, what's going on? And he said, don't worry, I'm coming back. I'm coming back, and I, I want to compete. I want to be out there on that field. And I said, listen, we're, we're waiting for you, dude. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy to report that uh, Schultz is feeling a lot better. And, uh, as you can see, he's back at practice. So hopefully it won't be too much longer before we actually get to see him in some game action. Yeah. So that's going to be exciting. Uh, Garrett Fugate, who uh, was in train camp uh, his first uh, first year with the Alouettes, and just a great guy to sit and chat with, uh, taking all the all the uh, the sights and the sounds, if you will, of the the fan experience. And I gotta say, I think he was uh, pretty blown away. He actually really enjoyed the time out in, uh, in Saskatchewan. Obviously, his first time there, and he said, "Wow, this uh, this was an amazing trip." So I'm really happy that the uh, the Alouettes allowed these guys to come on board with us and just to sit and chat with the fans and you know makes help just help make more memories i mean this like i said this was a fantastic trip and i'm really thankful that the alibuds organization put this together and they have to keep it going i mean I once so a too. year once a year you've got to go west i mean no disrespect to ottawa or any of the eastern places but uh, i mean to get on a plane and fly out basically across this country to see football out west it's got to be done. I mean, that's there's there's just no two ways about it. So or, or out east if Ham if Halifax ever gets their team. Yes, yes, I, I will make that exception for the east. Is if Halifax does decide to join the Canadian Football League, a fan plane trip out there Sorry, would be we, we absolutely amazing. Atlantic Canada. Sorry, we we have to we should correct ourselves. Atlantic Canada. <laughs> yes, we absolutely. don't want to leave anybody out. Atlantic Canada. Uh, any. Uh, uh, besides the memories, any any free swag? Oh, absolutely. The team uh, 
team in Budweiser hooked us up with uh, a nice little swag bag uh, full with uh, hat, T-shirt, uh, sunglasses, a uh, nice koozie to keep your hands warm while you're drinking an ice-cold beer. I'm sure they'd prefer it be Budweiser, but uh, I'll be honest, I will probably put other beers in that koozie. <laughs> no disrespect uh, uh, to, to fine folks at Budweiser, but uh, yeah, it's just not my, my beverage of choice. Uh, but yeah, no, it was a, a great little experience. And the nice thing about this particular t-shirt was they had a big white space on the back, perfect for that meet and greet session with the players with, to get autographs oh. on. Oh, that's cool. Wait, was it that the Budweiser or did the Owls give one out specifically? Because I, I think, you know, in years past, they give, they've given out free toques and, and such and such. Nope, this was all Alouettes that did that. Nice. Nice. Well, obviously you and we're happy. You got to see a very good game. Uh, by the way, for one thing I didn't ask you, uh, how were the seat locations? Because you told me what section you were in. I'm thinking, oh, it's 500-something. And when I think of 500-something, I think of Rogers Center. I'm thinking, yeesh. But from what I saw, that your seats were pretty good. Yeah. They're, at New Mosaic Stadium, there's really not a bad place to sit and watch the game, as far as I'm concerned. Like, we had great sight lines. Uh, didn't feel like we were, I mean, we were far away from the action in a sense, but I mean, like you still saw everything and especially with their two score, big video scoreboards, you saw the action, you saw everything that was going on and it was just a great atmosphere all around. I have to tell you, like Saskatchewan, Rider Nation, people pile on them and make fun of them and all that because there's really nothing else out there in in Regina or in Saskatchewan. But I mean, you talk about a passionate football base that's that's it right there and this stadium is absolutely fantastic just massive concourses to walk about like i never felt crushed i never felt you know like i was in a like you know packed in like a sardine uh, i mean I had plenty of space to move around the actual seats to sit in as opposed to metal nice. metal benches nice. uh, a cup holders right in front too i mean like i said there's wow. just a th- this was a, a facility built for the foot the like the ultimate football fan experience and they nailed it. They freaking nailed it. It was absolutely fantastic. Lots of green, though. That's the only thing. It's like lots and lots of green. But I suppose that's you know that's, that's how they do things out there. Fine, but I, I have to say, uh, new new Mosaic Stadium definitely an absolutely amazing place to watch a football game. Nice. Well, they do say what what, what do they say out in Regina? It's a uh, uh, sky of blue. Uh, is it sea of sea of green? Or, uh, or something like that. Uh, uh, sky of blue, sea of green. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the streak is over. It is over. The Alouettes won a game. It's about the- time. So we have been through a very long. It's not the odds. Only thirteen games. It's almost a full count. Not. Well, not. It's like two hundred seventy days. Two hundred sixty days. More than 300 days for a, a road win. And sure enough, we go into this game. Uh, nobody gave the Alouettes a shot, did they? Oh, my God. Nobody. And I mean nobody. You, you go to the CFL Pick'em. It was 96% for the riders. You go to the CFL.ca, uh, like the, the riders, they, they made their picks. Everybody picked Saskatchewan to beat Montreal. I, I don't think... Or I don't. I don't think anyone gave Montreal a snowball's chance in hell of going into New Mosaic Stadium and beating the Riders, even with all the stuff that's going on with them, because they also had issues with quarterbacks and they also have their own issues that they had to deal with as well. So, but even despite all that, all the haters, all the negative people, just 
didn't give Montreal any sort of shot at all of winning this game. And what happens? Montreal took the lead, never relinquished it, and even though there was a couple of dicey moments, they hung on and they won their first game since August 11th, 2017. Mm-hmm. And their first road game since 2016, if you can believe that. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I think back like during that 13 games losing streak, all the negative comments, all the dumpster fire, all the everything, and all, all the negative comments that I'd see from everybody on Twitter, Facebook, what have you. It, just anyone talking about the Elowets in general, just talking about what a mess they were and how they can't do anything right and all this and that. But, uh, yeah, in your face, you know, it's funny. This team came out throwing. No, nothing was 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 held back at all. Uh, Drew Willie looked like a a starting quarterback. Uh, I, I don't know if he. I, I'm trying to remember what he was when he was, you know, in uh, in Winnipeg. And I, was he was he? You probably remember. Is he was he was he Winnipeg shades of Winnipeg? Uh, Drew Willie, or was he he getting there? I mean, considering this dude is not wow, he he broke his own streak too when it came to to first win as a starter. I think in first win in eleven games, I think it was so or ten, but still, uh, Drew Willie looked like a very good quarterback that night. I mean, it wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, at the end of the day, Drew Willie still is Drew Willie, but. Yeah, he was able to connect with his receivers a lot better than he had in, uh, in games previous. I mean, that game against Winnipeg was just atrocious for him. Yes. Uh, but it seemed like things really settled down a little bit. And I think the fact that the defense had really helped out and just made uh, Brandon Bridge, you know, just look uh, bad, quite frankly. <laughs> I don't want to harp on the guy. Well, but, no, I mean, but still bad enough, bad enough that uh, he was pulled. I mean, it's... Not, yep. something, not, and, so, not something that I would have, have had expected. So what, uh, no, I, what, what was different about Willie? I said the defense, yes. I think, you know, it's funny. You get John Bowman back in the lineup, and uh, this defense, something changed. Something really did change with this defense. And I don't yeah, know what he, it was from one week to the next. No, I, I think it just everybody, that front seven, everyone just sort of fell into line. Everything just sort of came together. And... Maybe it was just the fact that they had their their captain, John Bowman, back out there, lining up with Jamal Westerman, and those two were just creating havoc all night long for Bridge. Like, he was flushed out of the pocket. He had to hurry up with a lot of his throws. Uh, just And when he did, more often than not, they ended up in the hands of either a Brandon Dozier or Joe Burnett or uh, Najib Murray. I, I mean, four picks from, uh, yes. from, from the LOS. It was just... Incredible. Uh, just <laughs> the defense really came alive. Uh, I was very impressed with uh, how things worked, uh, how everything came together, especially in the secondary, too. I mean, those guys were just flying out there. They were making tackles. It just looked more like a, a much more cohesive unit. Like, this was the defense that I think was supposed to be sold to us as mm-hmm. fans and supporters of the Alouette. So it's like this is what we were promised at the start of the season when training camp was finished like this was going to be the defense right. that that everyone would come to expect yeah. and my god if that's if this is the defense that we're going to get and this is how they're supposed to play my word i like i'm definitely encouraged i'm definitely feeling a lot better about things 
maybe it just needed a couple of games to really truly come together and maybe that's that's what it was like, that's why things didn't look so great in bc and in and against winnipeg but against saskatchewan maybe i mean this this rough riders team on paper just like the alouettes are built to be a contender and they've looked really flat and no pun intended because of the prairies but, ah. <laughs> but, uh, the, uh, yeah the the four four I, interceptions for the alouettes uh, were their most in a single game since October 5th, 2013, where they had five versus the Edmonton Eskimos. So it's yeah. it was it was nice to see. I'm trying to remember. To see four in one game. And I think uh, Rick Moffitt, the voice of the Alouettes, pointed out also on Twitter that it was four uh, players getting their first ever interceptions as an Alouette. There you go. I mean, this is... It's funny. You want your quarterback to spread the ball around, but I don't think it's your your quarterback spreading it to the opposing defenders. And that's what, unfortunately, Brandon Bridge was doing mm-hmm. last Saturday against the Alouettes. But we'll take it. I mean, that's that was just an absolutely fantastic uh, game by the defense. And I have to believe that's really what prompted Willie to sort of, I don't know, he just found a little something extra. And it was a shaky start at that first quarter. And for the most part, the first half was just a dog's breakfast. I mean, like just not, not great. I mean, there's like flashes of brilliance, but not nothing that's really, truly outstanding until drew Willie just heaved a bomb to Chris Williams and just smoked Deron Carter, who was covering him, torched him. He torched him. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I I love Deron and he is a hell of an athlete, but yeah, you can tell that he's, he is definitely a wide receiver playing a defensive back role like trying to be a cornerback like it just he he was playing the position wrong and Deontay Spencer exposed him last week and Chris Williams truly took advantage of that and basically told everybody like the the, the secret on how to how to beat Deron Carter at uh, at the corner position and Chris Williams what a game he had 130 all-purpose yards absolutely sensational like the this was the chris williams too that we were promised and didn't quite get it first but now he's come alive and now he, he's looking like the chris williams that helped the ottawa red blacks get to the gray cup mm-hmm. like this this is very exciting stuff yeah as far uh, as i'm concerned yeah six targets three receptions for 130 yards uh that touchdown itself was 79 yards now, the offense wasn't perfect, though, Cliff. I mean, you had, uh, you know, Boris Beda. Yes, and congrats for getting, you know, off one of the offensive players of the week this week. Um, but it's it, it wasn't perfect. I mean, the Alouettes still had to get five. You know, they got five field goals. Um, but it was a it was a huge improvement for, for what they've shown over the past two weeks. I mean, they got more than 10 points. Well, what more could you ask for, right? Well, I'm glad you touched on that too. Is that uh, Boris Bede? Like we've been very hard on him because he's just not looked looked really good. But this past Saturday, I mean, five field goals, a rouge, beautiful coffin corner punch. Oh, that was gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, man, like he ate his Wheaties, or I don't know what the heck happened to him. But I mean, he came up and he played a fantastic game. So he definitely well deserving of uh, the nominee for one of the players of the week this this past uh, this past week. Uh, like I said, been a little bit hard on him, but I mean, because I know he's got the potential to really be something special. So I was very happy to see that. Hey, he did it. Like he came, he stepped up to the plate. He manned up, as they say, and 
hey, my hat's off to him. He did a he did a fantastic job, and I really hope that this uh, keeps going forward, especially this coming Friday against the Ottawa Red Blacks. What I like too is that they didn't give up, even though it seemed to, it just was not working this past week. The running game, um, Terrell Sutton just had. I feel bad for the dude. I mean, yeah, he got twenty yards, but that's eleven carries. It's only an average of one point eight. They just were always in the backfield. So it seems that even though Drew Willie did well before he before he got knocked out, which we'll talk about here in a couple of minutes, is that the the D line was getting a lot of pressure and being able to get past you know that first wave of the O line and just Sutton was not able to do anything, was he? No, not really. And it's almost as if they realize, okay, we got to contain Tyrell Sutton because if we let this guy run loose on us, the game is definitely going to get out of hand really quick. And they did a really good job basically keeping him honest. And I think a lot of it does have to go onto the O-line as well because even though they looked good in some areas and they had a couple of injuries, uh, Philip Blake had to leave the game. Yeah. So that kind of shakes shake, shake things up a little bit for the Alouettes. Uh, I mean, there's also like a lot of sacks, a lot of... Uh, a lot of pressure on Willie as well. So I mean, just the fact that Willie had to leave the game because the O-line kind of, once again, I don't want to necessarily say this time hung him out the drive, but definitely they weren't exactly there for him. So uh, I, it's coming together. I can see that. I see something there. Yeah. But uh, I, I mean, there's still there's still some work to be done. Let's just let's just leave it at that. There's there's more that needs to be done. They got to do a better job of not giving Willie the protection that he needs to try and complete more passes, but. Being able to create some lanes for Tyrell Sutton is is going to be crucial because once the guy gets going, he he is hard to stop. And yeah, he just looked ordinary against the uh, against the Rough Riders. But I, I don't know if that's because the Riders did their homework and they knew they had to contain this guy, or was it the fact that the the offensive line just wasn't exactly uh, making life for, for the running back a little bit easier? Now another another problem that we had noticed. Uh, I mean, well, first, I mean, uh, B.J. Cunningham was the next next leading receiver for the Alouettes, uh, eight targets, four receptions, 70 yards. But among the receivers, Cliff, there was a huge issue, and it was a case of the dropsies for quite a few of them, including Eugene Lewis. Yeah. Like I said, it's, it, is, that on the, is that necessarily on quarterback? Obviously not. Like At the end of the day, quarterback's going to throw the ball. It's up to the receiver to catch it. So was that just mental preparation, or maybe they just weren't expecting – the kind of throws he was gonna gonna launch upon them, it's hard to say. Only only the receivers know that for sure. And again, I think it's still part of still trying to find themselves. I mean, it's still early in the season, believe it or not. So I mean, I don't want to harp on things too negatively, but at the same time, yeah, this is this is the stuff you got to get out of your system now, like right now, right. and be ready because again, if other teams are able to take advantage of that, and defensive backs too, they're they're watching the receivers, and if they're getting into the receivers' heads just a little bit, mm-hmm. not good, yeah. not good. So, like I said, it's just one of those things that just needs to be tightened up more than anything else. And last but not least, before we get to the uh, the Drew Wheelie issue, uh, things that we're talking about that need to be changed is once again, Cliff penalties. Three games, Cliff, 44 penalties, 390 yards. They're averaging basically 15 a game. That's bad, dude. Something really has to change. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. They had more penalties than what Saskatchewan did, but it just felt like the Riders' penalties were just a lot more backbreaking. They're, just when they were starting to build up a little bit of momentum, mm-hmm. boom. You know, there'd be a there'd be a, a holding call or something else would happen or objectionable conduct or... Uh, again, my guy Duran, uh, mm-hmm. he uh, 
he he was attracting a lot of attention and not the good kind. Uh, again, these are just things that I've seen this happen with the Alouettes so many times. Like they get penalties like this, and they would just be absolute backbreakers. Yeah. And I really think that's what it was for Saskatchewan on Saturday night. Was just when they start building up just a little bit of momentum and thinking that maybe they can get back into this game. Boom. Orange laundry flies and uh, yeah, just I still felt just, I still felt by the way some of those some of the uh, calls on the Alouettes were just a tad I- I- iffy. I mean, some of them uh, I think some of the what was one of them? It was a, a sportsmanlike call where really the I don't think they called it for taunting or whatever it was, but it was like it really was not taunting, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, it's I, some of them were still questionable. I think the the broadcast crew was calling calling out calling them some of them out also. Um, yeah. That now obviously the the big news of the day is Drew Willie goes down. Jeff Matthews comes in. You know, Drew is, uh, when he gets hurt, he is 8 of 15, uh, 157 yards and a touchdown. Um, You know, we did not know if it was uh, concussion protocol or whatnot, but I I guess a positive was is that he actually was jogging to the the locker room. Um, You'd think that if if he was under concussion protocol, then they would have brought somebody else with him just in case, you know, that type of thing. You know, but he, um, Jeff Matthews comes in, does a pretty admirable job, 8 of 12, 98 yards. Uh, led the Alouettes to quite a few of those uh, those field goals in the, in the second half. Um, and then we hear, I think it was Herb Zerkowski who, who mentioned in one, on social media uh, a couple days ago that Drew has a possible it's a neck and possibly a shoulder issue, but we're not really sure. And as of today, he showed up late, uh, meaning Drew Willie, but he didn't practice. So Jeff Matthews took all the starting reps. Um, is this just another story of the same old, same old for the Alouettes? And and we, we get, it seems like a quarterback starting to do well, and then we may have another starting quarterback this week. It's very possible. I guess we'll see how the rest of practice goes this week, uh, which unfortunately the public will not be invited yeah, to. Yeah, I want to ask you about that afterwards. That, that's a little sketchy to me, but go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe the Alouettes are just being precautious when it comes to Drew Willie, as far as uh, if it's a neck or shoulder issue, then. Or both. Or both. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's also not a bad thing to let Matthews get some reps, and uh, I have no doubt, too, that Vernon Adams will definitely get some get a chance to get some reps in as well because again we know what he can do on the field mm-hmm. without question and now given the opportunity matt, and now matt schultz is uh ready and available yeah like i said uh, he's he says he's feeling a lot better and uh he took to the field as well for a little bit today so if that continues then that becomes another option as well so i mean let, let's see what happens i mean just on that performance alone, does Drew Willie still deserve to be starting quarterback despite getting the win this, this past Saturday? I'd say for now, you, you kind of have to keep rolling with him if he's yeah. healthy. Yeah, I agree. If not, then uh, then it is really truly time for guys like uh, Matthews and Adams and even Schiltz to a lesser extent to step up and be ready to go. Because if Drew Willie's not ready to go, then this team still needs a quarterback. This team still lives and dies by just how well the quarterback plays. So they've got to They've got to be all on the same page. They've got to be ready to go. And let's face it, the Ottawa Red Blacks are not going to give them any slack whatsoever, especially after getting embarrassed by the Calgary Stampeders last week. Mm-hmm. 
It's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting game, and and the fun thing is is that we when we talk about the the game that for next week, uh, for, sorry for this week for Ottawa, uh, we have a special guest with us, don't we, Cliff? We certainly do. Joining us on the line, a young lady who needs no introduction, but I'm gonna try anyways. She is a podcaster of the highest regard in the Canadian Football League, uh, proud alumni of the Bleed Red Blacks podcast, Gone But Never Forgotten. And you can currently hear her right now on the Mouchoir podcast. Mouchoir. We are, we are very pleased to be joined this evening by Janine, a.k.a. Ottawa J. Janine, welcome to the Alouette's Flight Deck. Thank you for having me, guys. It's always fun to be talking to some fellow podcasters. We're enemies, though, this week, aren't we? This week, maybe we'll have to turn friends off. But, uh, <laughs> but generally speaking, <laughs> it's pretty fun to be part of this. <laughs> I always say, for three hours on game day, business is business. Friends That's on right. the rest of the time. But That's right. Business is business. So no hard feelings, nothing personal. It's just this is what we got to do. So yeah. <laughs> it's a good philosophy. <laughs> so you're saying, Cliff, that you send anything out, you're going to make sure you have your, your, your thumb ready on the delete button on Twitter, just in case. May have to get the old uh, blockamole out. Uh, but, no. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think the best way to, I know we're, we're playing each other this week, uh, Montreal and Ottawa. Um, Ottawa really has been dominating the Alouettes as of late. Um, before last week's game, Janine, what, Janine, what were you, uh, what was one word that you would give the Alouettes franchise, but now that we have our win, does that word actually ring true now? Oh, what a great question. I, <laughs> I, I don't want to be mean. I don't want to no, give no, a bad no. word. Yeah, I'm sure but, we've, we've heard um, it all. <laughs> I'm sure you, you might've used yeah. some of, you might've used some of the words before last week. I would, I would actually say that. Uh, Montreal was looking a little bit like a hopeless franchise this season. Uh, and I wouldn't use that word now because the win against Saskatchewan has definitely given the team uh, some hope. And uh, I think a team that has hope can be pretty dangerous. So I'm not taking this week's matchup lightly at all. Okay. Hold on. I got to look up the word hope here in the dictionary. <laughs> Hold on a second. Uh, w- has it been that long since you felt that that? Emotion, that feeling. Yeah, well, thirteen like, games, 200, <laughs> 270 days, or something like that. Whatever it was. Oh man, I know it's been. I know what it's like. I had, you know, two two and sixteen season in our first year. These are tough. Those are tough times to to talk about. But uh, yeah. but I think you guys are probably feeling pretty good after what you saw at, this weekend. Yeah, at least for one game. At least for one game. Yeah. So what was your initial reaction when you heard, when you saw what happened in the uh, the preseason game between our two teams and Trevor Harris went down? Well, you know, I was actually traveling for work. I was in Mexico City for that uh, for that game, but I was kind of I was being kind of a bad uh, a bad representative of the Canadian government because I had my iPhone with me at the reception that I was supposed to be paying attention at and I was I was following it on Twitter. Wouldn't be bad Canadian. Uh, I, That's a good Canadian. <laughs> yeah. When you're supposed to, you know, be a little bit more social though, people might have been wondering why I was in the corner on my iPhone, but I saw it I saw the tweet uh and I have to say my heart sort of caught in my throat a little uh because the one thing that 
certainly, I and I'm still not 100% comfortable with Dominic Davis, although I'm getting a little bit more confident in his abilities, you know, as time goes on. But at the time when Harris went down, we were all like, oh, my God, we don't have a legit backup. What the heck is going to happen? So it was a pretty Welcome scary to our moment. World. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't have a legit starter. Or yeah. <laughs> no, but it, it was a pretty scary thing for sure. And uh, nobody... Uh, regardless of teams, nobody ever wants to see uh, wants to see that kind of an injury at that point in the preseason. But yeah. uh, we were all pretty relieved when Trevor Harris came back and he was okay. Now, uh, you guys are coming off of a, of a loss to the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, so you're coming into Montreal on a team that is on a high, but we still do have our issues. I mean, we're talking about quarterbacks, mm-hmm. and we don't know who's going to be starting a quarterback yet for us this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, just due to the due to the air, uh, to the uh, it seemed like a weird injury to to uh, to Drew Willie, but he didn't practice today as we were taping this uh, taping this interview. Um, Ottawa, what is Ottawa's mindset? Do you think coming into this game, knowing that they they played they, they played pretty decently against Calgary, but it just wasn't a it it just wasn't meant to be. I mean, giving up uh, giving up seventeen points in the second half and scoring a grand total of eight sound, sounded more like us recently. But yeah, yeah, it was a it was kind of a the defense was probably the only redeeming redeeming feature of the Red Blacks for that game for sure. It was kind of it was kind of an ugly game to watch, and I was getting pretty frustrated. the The clincher for me was when they the goal line stand. Uh, Calgary just sucked all the momentum out of out of the Red Blacks. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think they're now feeling they were probably on a pretty big high after game one when they, you know, soundly beat Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. I think they were feeling pretty confident going into Calgary. This might have been a bit of a reality check. So now we're maybe feeling a little bit hungry, I would suspect, but also, you know, feeling a little bit maybe less uh, less arrogant than they might have felt going into Calgary. So it might have been a good sort of reset button for them, that game in Calgary. And I'm hoping they, you know, I'm hoping they collectively learn from that, uh, from that not so great effort. And uh, like you said, they've had some pretty good luck in Montreal. Uh, fans travel to Montreal, so they're going to yes. have a lot of support behind them. Yeah, the Lumberjoes have uh, been here a few times and yeah. 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 There's a pretty big contingent. And you know, if it wasn't the Ottawa Blues Fest, I might be joining, I would have been joining them, but, uh, uh, but it'll be uh, it'll be a different um, it'll definitely be a different feeling I think than what they uh, went into Calgary with and I'm hoping they're gonna learn from that not so great showing last uh, last Thursday night. Now you touched upon the defense a little bit and I want to kind of expand on that a little bit for Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to tell us about Noel Thorpe. We've we've been yeah. seeing his praises for several years, uh, but. I know it's a small sample size, but what what are you seeing so far from the Noel Thorpe defense with the Red Blacks, and what are your initial thoughts on it? So I have to say I've long been a fan of Noel Thorpe, and I think you know this, Cliffy. I used to have season tickets to the Owls before uh, in the in the dry periods in Ottawa. I was uh, I went to Montreal to watch games, and I've been an admirer of Noel Thorpe. So when I heard the news that he was coming to Ottawa, I practically did cartwheels, uh, and I I have always known that what he was going to bring was a real sort of hunger and a really aggressive style of defense. Uh, And that is exactly what he has brought. And game one was, you know, the perfect sort of, it was the Noel Thorpe statement defense game. Uh, Three sacks, three interceptions caused by the pressure that the 
D-line was putting on the quarterbacks. Like, just, it was the perfect, I couldn't have shown a game that showcased the Noel Thorpe type of defense better. And even in game two, I mean, there weren't, there were no sacks, but there was still, you know, Bo Levi Mitchell was intercepted. That's no small feat. They shut down the run game uh, more or less. And Don Jackson has been really a breakout this season. So the defense is really uh, hungry is how I would describe it. And that's exactly what I think uh, Marcel, why I think Marcel Desjardins went after Noel Thorpe was because he wanted a hungry, aggressive defense. Now, one of the main reasons why Noel Thorpe isn't with the Alouettes anymore is the whole kerfuffle as far as will he or won't he ever be a head coach. Mm-hmm. And to me, it seemed a bit of a lateral move in a sense to go from being the defensive coordinator of the Alouettes to the defensive coordinator of the Red Blacks. Now, do you think possibly, I mean, again, I know Rick Campbell, he's brought a great cup to Ottawa and has already established himself as the head coach. But do you think there could be a power struggle if uh, – Ottawa, for whatever reason, can't get it together offensively, and maybe Noel Thorpe steps in? Is that something that you think would be possible? You know, I think it's always... I think any good team has to have a secession plan uh, because nothing good is going to last forever. So it would be completely unrealistic of me to to say that, you know, Rick Campbell's job is always going to be safe. If, if we don't have a good season, I think some pretty big questions are going to be asked. And you saw those questions asked last year, and that's why you saw... Uh, some pretty significant changes to the coaching staff, including Mark Nelson being demoted from defensive coordinator. You saw Travis Moore, uh, Brian Chu. You saw quite a few guys who, who are gone because there was a recognition that something had to be shaken up. So I think Rick Campbell has to know that if things don't go better this year, that it's probably, you know, there's not a lot of fingers left. There's not a lot of people to point those fingers at other than the head coach. And, it's you know the responsibility of of the general manager to have a succession plan if that is the case so you know i think it's a smart move because it does bring somebody in who has great potential to be a head coach now i say that i don't want i have nothing but respect for rick campbell and i have no reason to want him gone at this point but you know like this is how football works and good teams need to know who they can turn to next so bringing him in was smart for a whole lot of reasons now, in regards to the game on Friday, uh, like I said, we've had quite a history, uh, Montreal and Ottawa. Uh, you want to know how based- bad it has been, Cliff? Uh, Ottawa so, has won five in a row at Montreal and eight of last nine. Yep, that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> and taking so going- out a couple of quarterbacks along the mm-hmm. way, too. Weren't mm-hmm. we responsible for Crompton and Lefevre going down in one game? Sorry, and guys. <laughs> And as much love as I have for Kyrie Zaybear, the person, uh, yeah. I can't say I'm too upset to not see him in the lineup this Friday. Because, uh, I mean, as shaky as our quarterback situation has been this season, the last thing we need is someone essentially trying to uh, act as a mercenary out there. So, <laughs> Which he he has demonstrated he still has a tendency to do. <laughs> uh, but for, for the game itself, what do you think are the keys for Ottawa to win other than showing up <laughs> <laughs> well like i said i think um i think montreal has hope right now and, and uh, like i said a team that has hope is is uh, not a team to be taken lightly so i think the, the big key is not to underestimate uh the montreal alouettes i really um i really don't know if it's going to be uh 
Drew Willie or Jeff Matthews out there. Uh, that'll be kind of interesting if it's uh, if it's Jeff Matthews. You know, maybe that's a slight edge to you guys. There's not a lot of film on him, just the quarter and a bit that he played uh, uh, that he played against Calgary. So I think the, a big key though will be whether it's whoever's under center for you guys. The pressure that this that this defense can put on the quarterback has has been key. Uh, we saw that in definitely in game one especially when you're talking about a quarter if it's drew willie let's face it drew willie's confidence has really been shaken since what happened in winnipeg um so he's he seems to be a little bit easy to shake up and if it's jeff matthews you know um new kid in town put a little bit of pressure on him and and make him prove that he's got what it takes to be in this league i think that's going to be a pretty big key and whatever happened to trevor harris last game he has got to shake it off him and his receivers just had an awful game against Calgary. They've just kind of got to shake this off. They got to know that as a unit, they're one of the best offenses in the league, and they got to get out there and they've got to they've got to show everybody that Calgary was an anomaly and that they're much better than that. And you know, they do that. They they stick to a disciplined game, and I think they're going to be fine on Friday night. Talk to us a little bit about about the offense itself. I mean, just just looking at it alone. Uh, something a little bit different this year with uh, with the rushing. I mean, William Powell, especially last week, was an absolute monster uh, mm-hmm. rushing. And then you have uh, you know the perennial uh, superstar now coming. You know, one Greg Ellingson has been uh, a godsend for any team that have had him since he's come come to the CFL from the Arena League. But it's talk about those two in particular, and, and what do they need to do besides? Uh, Trevor Harris having a good day. What do those two need to do in order for uh, for the uh, Red Blacks uh, to win this thing? Yeah, well, I mean, William Powell is just a, he is just a beast. 123 yards on the ground against Calgary's defense is is a pretty strong uh, showing by our running back. So you know, feed feed William Powell the ball, and I have every every bit of faith that he's going to be able to um, he's going to be able to make things happen out there. He's just he runs fearless. Uh, he's just absolutely fearless, and I, I don't know how he does it. Everybody else would be stopped uh, in some of the situations that he finds himself in, but he finds a hole and he squirts his way through it, and then, boom, he's 17 yards later, he's in the end zone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just feed this guy the ball, and he's so fearless that I think he'll, uh, you know, he'll make things happen. And then what I kind of like about, it's hard for me to just talk about Ellingson without talking about Sinopoli and, right. and Spencer. And the reason I say that is because the three of them are just so different that together they're a really interesting package. Sinopoli's the guy that, you know, is going to grind it out to get you yards after the catch. Deontay is your quickest and your speediest. And, you know, we all saw what he did to Deron Carter and, you know, your guy, Chris Williams did the same thing, mm-hmm. which was also fun to watch. And then Ellingson is the guy that can catch anything like the most acrobatic, ridiculous, uh, positions he has to put his body in to bring a ball down. And the three of them together are just a, they're super entertaining to watch, but B, they all have a very particular skill set that comes in handy in so many different situations on offense. So they, all three of them had pretty bad drops, uh, on, uh, on Thursday night against Calgary. So, you know, they got to shake that off too. And they have to know that, you know, they can, they'll, they'll be there for Trevor when Trevor needs them in, in whatever situation they find themselves in. So the three of them and uh, adding Powell in the backfield, it's just, it's a pretty great combination for us to have on offense. All right, let's switch up things a little bit here, Janine. Uh, talk to us about the Mushwar podcast that you are now a part of. 
Yeah, so um, Michaela is uh, my my co-host on the podcast. She also does a really great show on uh, TSN 1200, which is the Ottawa uh, TSN radio, uh, called That's What She Said, and it's on on Friday nights at 6 p.m. Uh, and it's uh, it's a bit of a, you know, a woman's take on sport. And they didn't have, they're pretty sense-focused. They didn't have a lot of content on CFL. So she reached out to me a couple years ago uh, when I was still doing some work with lead red blacks and asked if I would be on a few shows just to talk, you know, set up red blacks games or talk about big red blacks games. Uh, and so her and I got to know each other that way. And this year she kind of called me out of the blue and she said, you know, I kind of miss that there's not an Ottawa podcast this year and I'd really love to get involved. And do you think that we could find a way to pull this off? And there was part of me that enjoyed the year of not having to worry about writing notes and watching every single game and having a little bit more freedom during the CFL season. But mostly I just really missed podcasting. So, uh, you know, we kind of, we kind of agreed that we would give this a shot, uh, get a few episodes under our belt, see what the reaction would be. Uh, and so far we've been really blown away by just how, uh, the podcast has seemed to take off. Uh, our nation was clearly hungry uh, for having a local podcast back, and uh, we're pretty excited to be able to bring that to them. So, so far, so good. We really, we intend to keep going. Now, that's one of the things that I find truly remarkable is it's a CFL podcast, but two female hosts. I mean, mm -hmm. how cool is that? I mean, talk about breaking ground now, because podcasting by and large especially in the canadian football league is still male driven for the most part i mean there are a few ladies out there that are participating in it which is fantastic but this is the first actual fan podcast exclusively hosted by women like did you ever think that you'd be breaking ground like that and it's funny you see, you put it that way, Cliffy, because I, you know, we kind of made a bit of a conscious decision that we we didn't want to market ourselves as a podcast by women. We just like at the end of the day, both Michaela and I are just hardcore sports fans, and we just really enjoy talking about sports. We really wanted to be a part of the podcasting community, uh, you know, gender aside. But I have to admit. Um, it has struck me just how much the fact that we're two women has resonated with people. And we get comments all the time uh, from listeners. The guy that sits in front of me in my season ticket uh, in, in our section, you know, he turned around and looked at me one day. He goes, I don't know if you guys are doing this on purpose, but there's like this real vibe of women in sport empowerment with your podcast. And I have to tell you, I'm kind of proud that that is coming through. It was unintentional. But I do, I, am, I do take a certain degree of pride in the fact that people are noticing that, um, you know, it, I mean, it's hard not to notice that it's two women who are podcasting, but people are noticing that that is something to talk about. Uh, and I, I can't lie, that makes me pretty proud. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure it makes Michaela proud, too. So uh, I, think we're, I think we're doing a good thing, as unintentional as it may have been. It's kind of cool to be a part of that uh, sort of movement if if i can call it that as well outstanding well uh i mean what can i say i mean you guys have been doing a fantastic job uh i, I think the cfl podcast community has really missed hearing your voice and hearing your take on not just the red blacks but also the league in general so it's awesome to have you back and i'm glad to see that uh, things are going well and you guys are you're killing it out there so that's that's fantastic 
Well, thank you so much, guys. And uh, I mean, I remember when you when you guys started the Alouette's Flight Deck, and uh, I know how exciting it is to. St- uh, I know how exciting it was to welcome a new podcast on. So it's nice to be sort of on the receiving end of the welcome and everybody has been really, really great. And uh, we're, we're super thrilled and uh, I can't wait to, to keep this going. And our, I don't know if I'll see you guys at uh, Grey Cup, but I hope, uh, you know, I hope to maybe be on Podcast Row this year instead of just on the organizing committee that helped bring Podcast Row to the mm-hmm. Grey Cup. So mm-hmm. that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> Now, you've asked her, Cliffy, about her podcast, but we have to know specifically where can people listen to you on the podcast? Absolutely. Well, I have to admit, you know, Michaela and I have struggled a little bit with the tech side of things, and we're still learning. Uh, So every day we get a request to be up on a different platform. But right now you can find us on iTunes, you can find us on Google Play, and you can find us on uh, SoundCloud, and we're called Mouchoir a Red Blacks podcast. Uh, please give us a follow on Twitter. It's at Mouchoir Podcast. Uh, and you can follow the two hosts. Uh, I'm at Ottawa J, that's J-A-Y. And Michaela is at Shrides. Uh, and so give us give us a follow. Uh, subscribe to our podcast. And we promise we're working on uh, sorting through the tech difficulties and getting up on as many other platforms as we can get up onto. We we all are right, Cliff. <laughs> <laughs> that's the beautiful part of it is we're still learning, we're still growing, we're still finding ways to make things bigger and better, and try to reach more people as well. And I think that's the the goal for all of the podcasts in the Canadian Football League, just so that we can say that hey, fans now have a voice out there. So that's to me that's what's always been so important about the CFL podcast, and the fact that Ottawa has found their voice again is truly truly fantastic. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the support. And uh, uh, I know it'll be friends off for three hours on Friday, but uh, but friends right back on after the game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was going was to wish you luck for the 2018 season, except for next week and whenever the hell we play each other again. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. And then we'll, we'll see you at Percival Molson for the uh, – uh, for the uh, Eastern uh, Eastern Final, how's that sound? <laughs> oh, that sounds that sounds yeah, like I'm, a date. Uh, That's yeah. how that sounds. Sounds like a date. I need I need to start looking. <laughs> I need if I'm saying that I need to start looking up a different word in the dictionary, and I'm sure a few people are yelling some kind of word, not necessarily a positive <laughs> word at, at the at their screen. I was going to say it sounds to me like you figured out what hope means. <laughs> uh, that's all you can have. <laughs> That's all you're going to have. Oh, so. funny. Right. Well, good luck, guys. And uh, we'll uh, we'll see who comes out on top on on uh, Friday night. Yeah. Well, yes, th- indeed. Yeah, thank- best team win. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we, uh, you're welcome uh, back on the podcast anytime. Thanks, guys. So once again, uh, thanks for, uh, Jean, to, to join us. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think it's funny you were talking about how it's two females doing a podcast. But my thought was, hey, it's 2018. Anybody can do anything they want. And it's even I think it's even cooler. I think it's even more sexier, do when you have women talking about football because you, everybody can talk about it. That's what I think I, is so cool. It's, it's just so sexy to be able to say, man, you're a you're a you're, you, you know, you uh, female, you, you can beautiful. Uh, you you're seemed you know intelligent uh you, you know to, to chat you talk sports holy oh will you marry me you know <laughs> that type of thing I, that's what i love about it and, and you know it's i'm not as i said it's 
it's cool. It, it's all cool with me. Yeah, and the fact that Janine knows her football, and we've known this for years, but again, going back to the, the original Bleed Red, Bleed Red Blacks podcast, mm-hmm. uh, you know that Janine knows her football in and out, which is just yeah. fantastic. So it's not just most people would think of a women's football co- podcast and immediately start thinking negative. Like, no, 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 no. Janine knows her stuff. This podcast a- is definitely... Yeah, Amy at Piffles knows her stuff too. By the way, we just want to make sure we get that out there. So it's. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Listen, uh, Kayla over at uh, Eskimo Empire, like, just oh, another yeah, fantastic. Kayla too. You're right. Yeah. Listen, like the the female population in the CFL, mm-hmm. they know their stuff. They're not mm-hmm. just they're watching because the guys look cute and their their tights or whatnot. It's mm-hmm. it's nothing like that at all. Uh, these are some knowledgeable fans that just happen to have double uh, X chromosome. Yeah. And to me, I'm all for that. I'm all for women who love football and are passionate about it just the way we are. And it's just great. And I'm I'm so happy that this podcast is available. And I hope it inspires more people, yeah. more women to get out yeah. there and participate in this. I mean, it, the door is wide open as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And as we were mentioning with the... Uh... Uh, what do you need about the game itself? I mean, the, the it doesn't, you know, the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks have really have dominated this 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 series recently. Um, you know, we haven't beaten Ottawa in four games um, overall. So it's uh, last one I think was back in 2016. Um, what what do the Alouettes need to do? I mean, we obviously we're starting off now with starting behind than we did this past week because of uh, uh, of our quarterback situation. Um, you know, it seems that uh, the betting community thinks the same way too. You know, Five Dimes uh, currently has the game at Ottawa favored by seven points. Um, so what, what do the Owls need to do, Cliff, to, to get this, uh, to, to continue this streak, continue it going, continue these happy thoughts? And To tell you the truth, uh, one of the big things Montreal is going to have to do is this O-line, like I said, has to really come together and protect whoever it is that's behind center, whether it's Drew Willie, Jeff Matthews, Vernon Adams, guy in section section Y1. I don't care who's behind center for the LOS as quarterback. That quarterback needs protection. Mm-hmm. And that's where it starts with because you know a Noel Thorpe defense is extremely blitz heavy. And they're going to be coming guns a-blazing. And you, the front five has to give as much protection as possible. They have to create lanes so that Tyrell Sutton can take the rock yes. and try to get, you know, turn turn uh, first and first and ten into second and nine practically, or, or second or, and one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> knew what you meant. <laughs> That's okay. Let me, let me let me try that again. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's leave it in. That's perfect. Now I get what you mean. <laughs> I mean, it's it. You know, again, it's like I said, we we we, uh, we are we aren't perfect. We understand that sometimes the owls can't be perfect. It's just a matter of trying to become perfect as best uh-huh. as possible. So it's yeah. you know it, it's, it's the type of thing where you know you make a mistake, okay, okay, but it's just as you said, to, to try to get the the running game to be perfect because right now it's not. It's not by any way, shape, or form. No, and this defense that this Alouette's defense that played so stellar against the, the Rough Riders, they have to shut down. I mean, completely shut down mm-hmm. Ottawa's receiving core. You got to mm-hmm. take 
both Brad Sinopoli and Greg Ellingson out of the match completely. And I have faith that guys like Dominique Ellis, Mitchell White, who have been outstanding in the secondary, these are the guys that have to be able to shut down these guys and keep Deontay Spencer off the scoreboard completely because you saw what he did against Deron Carter two weeks ago, and he can just as easily do that to Alouettes. So I want to see... I want to see the secondary just get into the receivers' heads and just make life miserable for them. We got to give Trevor Harris all kinds of pressure and yes. just the guy does does not make very many mistakes. So when he does, the Alouettes have to capitalize on it. You cannot just if if you're lucky enough to, to pick this guy off, don't just settle for three. You've got to find a way to get into the end zone and score actual points. Kicking field goals is great, and Boris Bede did a fantastic job against the Riders. But that's not going to be enough to beat the Ottawa Red Blacks. You have to put real points on the board. No, no, I agree with you. A rushing yards, you know, Montreal, unfortunately, what happened, what happened last week, uh, average, we are last in the league at 58.7 yards. Even We have 100 and, 100, 176 total, which just put us in. With total-wise, we are in, in eighth place. Um, yeah, Ottawa, Ottawa average is 118, uh, 118.5 rushing yards a game. It, it's just a matter of... Again, it's what we have to do. What was it? Ottawa's 6.1 average gain per rush. Montreal's only 4.3. Uh, th- things have got to change. So uh, just a matter of wh- what we're going to do. I mean, just trying to look at some of these stats here for, for the Alouettes and, and what, what the others are, what Ottawa's rated as uh, passing yards. Um, Montreal's averaging 221.7. Uh, Ottawa's averaging 260.5. So. Again, this this is just by letting Trevor Harris get into a rhythm. And once you do that, forget it. He's practically unflappable. So Montreal has to find a way to just disrupt him at every turn and just get in his kitchen and just make make him work for every one of those yards because you know he's going to. He just finds a way to make the impossible possible, especially against Montreal. He's done it for the past four games where Montreal has just looked absolutely foolish. So, I mean, if they, if Montreal wants to break this particular streak against the Red Blacks, this is what they're going to do is just make life miserable for Trevor Harris. you got to take away his receivers, find a way to corral William Powell, and just, like I said, just disrupt everything about this team because, like it or not, this is this is a team that has a lot of potential. I mean, they've they played hard against uh, Calgary. Uh, they completely destroyed Saskatchewan. Uh and let's face it, this this is a confident bunch, and I, I think they've got to be hurting and just a little bit embarrassed by that uh, that fourth quarter collapse against the the Stampeders. So you know they're going to be coming out with with something to prove against Montreal. And again, I, I can't help but wonder if they're going to be taking Montreal a little bit lightly, lightly and thinking, well, they just got lucky. Of course, they beat the, the Rough Riders. We beat the Rough Riders. So maybe they won't even think that. Hey, maybe the Montreal's got that momentum. Maybe they should be taken seriously. So. I think the best way to establish that, though, is to just basically punch them right in the face right away and just don't let them recover. Like I think that's that's what Montreal's defense has to do and give every opportunity possible for the offense to put real points on the board. I can't stress that enough is how important it is to not to just come away with three every single time. Yeah, uh, yeah they need to do that. And that's one of the few things over the past couple of years that has been kind of an issue with, with the Alouettes offense is that, again, too many threes, not enough sevens. Um but hey, if 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 we're able to to get more than just uh, uh, Chris Williams involved, if BJ can get start getting involved again, and, and the rest of our receivers, man, uh, you know, uh, 
you know, and uh, Lewis stop the drops. I mean, can you imagine the amount of touch points that we may have had if Chris Williams would have been able to bring in that one pass, which I, I, I would have called a drop. Uh, we would have had another touchdown on the boards. So it's things went well. It's just a matter of the, the drops really hurt when they occurred. So, and we know these guys are talented receivers. There is uh, to call them elite. I think might be a little much, but I mean, like, these are guys that you know have talent. These are guys that definitely can make plays happen. I mean, we've talked for years about how, how much of a playmaker BJ Cunningham mm-hmm. is. We just finally got to saw what Chris Williams can bring to the table. Uh, even Geno Lewis, I still think, has potential to be an absolute superstar if given the chance. And Ernest Jackson, I mean. I'm still waiting for something to happen with this guy. I, yeah. I really like him, but like he, he had a great pass. And he just uh, – Again. Like, right dropped, in the numbers. Dropped it. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. <laughs> and I was like, you're better than that. I know you're better than that. For crying out loud, two years ago, you were the Eastern nominee for most outstanding player. You, so you don't forget how to be a player just because you signed with a new team. You don't forget to be a, how to be a talent. I, I just don't see it dropping off like that. So – I know he can be better. I would just like them to see it. Just, I would just like to see Ernest Jackson be just a little bit better. And if he can just connect with whomever is quarterback, I, again, he, he played with Drew Willie at University of Buffalo. You'd think that connection would be instant, yeah. but maybe just something doesn't translate to the pros. I don't know. But whatever it is, he's got to step his game up. And I, I, know, I know he can. I, I believe he will. Uh, you know, uh, obviously, best case scenario, I think one of the first things that the Alouettes have to do this week – is they need to show that they can play because after the debacle, uh, what they did last week, uh, last home game, they have to do more. They really do. They got to do more. Yeah. No, it's true. And again, you're supposed to have a home field advantage, so you got to take that take that into consideration, and you got to use that to your advantage. And let's not forget too that our nation is going to be invading Percival Molson Stadium, and they're going to get loud, and they're going to do all the things that we should be doing in Montreal. So, quite frankly. You got to take that. You got to take them out of the game as well. And the best way to do that, uh, again, score, <laughs> score, and don't let the other team score. Uh, it couldn't be any simpler than that. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, anything you wanted to talk about uh, CFO wise before we before we? Oh, there's actually there is one thing CFO wise that I want to talk about. The Alouettes are going to be switching their their logos again now, uh, helmet logos for the next month. Uh, they're switching it over to, to the French horn. Um, and, uh, the pictures were released today and I was kind of, uh, underwhelmed. Um, what was your thought? Cause I, I mean, I understand they don't wear green anymore, but just going with a single red on the helmet kind of left me wanting more. I agree. I, I looked at that photo too and I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, like I, I've seen a French horn logo before, so I knew what to expect in a way. But then it was, as you said, it was just sort of all red. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, it, it worked for the, the wing logo that we had last month because that's how the style was back in the, back in the 40s and 50s. And it looked okay. It looked, it looked really nice, actually, to be honest with you. So I was kind of curious to see just how they're going to put their sort of spin on the French horn logo. And when I saw it came out all red, like, okay, I was expecting green, like the green dot on it. Like it yeah. was back in the day, Yeah. but maybe make it blue. Like why not uh, incorporate like the fact that the team wears red, white, and blue. Why not incorporate that into the logo? You kind of give a fresh take on it. Like again, like a 
the last podcast we talked about and I tweeted out the uh, that artist rendition of what it should look like and yeah. I thought that is super cool and I really hope they always do something like that and then we see today on on Twitter they post a photo of how the helmets look and it's all monochrome and like oh kind of like you I was underwhelmed I'm like no that's 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 cool I, I, I guess like I just it felt like I think just it, it's missing something it's missing it's missing stripes it really is uh, go well, go with the red and blue uh, stripes the, the same way that they did on the on the old helmets back then with with the, the French horn because if they're just doing this I can only imagine please if somebody at the Alawitz organization knows this please contact us um, what what are they gonna be doing with the Delta I don't want a, a monochrome Delta logo I want the red and blue Delta with Alawitz yeah. below it yeah and I, I think CFL fans want that too because they're there's not a whole lot to be excited about for the Alouettes for other fans of the league. But the one thing that I've, I've seen over and over again is that they are looking forward to seeing the Delta logo on the helmets again. And yeah, if, if they come out in August with an all red Delta logo mm. on the helmet, mm. I think that any sort of positive momentum fan wise is just going to go downhill. It's just not going to look good. And I sincerely hope that the team takes this into consideration. Like I, I get the whole roots, to wings campaign and, everything that's behind it and i've been most for the most part been supportive of it but like i said i was just kind of a tad disappointed seeing the logo today just a tad but if you come out with an all red delta logo in august i'm going to be more than a tad disappointed i'm going to be very disappointed because it's just not going to be a good look and just something else for people to harp on when when it comes to this organization and I, i think we've had enough i mean just had a, a great fan trip. Just yeah. finally got that first win after yeah. almost a year of yeah. losing. Like it feels like, you know, maybe maybe the momentum's starting to shift a little bit. Maybe maybe this was just a one-off. Who knows? But I mean, just almost immediately, you can almost feel that there's a this change in the wind, and that's great. And I just want to see this team continue on that. So I, I sincerely hope that when August first comes around and they get the new delta logo put on to the helmets i just sincerely hope like you that yeah they do it proper and it's the actual true alois logo that we've become accustomed to yeah uh what's your thought i don't know much about it but what's your thought on the alois giving up their number one draft pick in the next draft for the uh for a, a canadian in the supplemental draft oh uh, yes uh tyler johnstone uh there's a lot to like about this kid uh Bit of a concern though because he does have two ACL injuries, okay. and he's only only 25 and has already had this right away. That's an immediate concern for me. But uh, played extremely well when he was at the University of Oregon. Uh, Vernon Adams obviously knows how good he can play because he actually played with uh, with John Stone. Yeah. Uh, everything I've I've read about this kid is phenomenal. Uh, he came very. Very uh, well regarded. Uh, apparently, a few other teams were very interested in being able to take him in the supplemental draft. If Montreal didn't, so I, I have to say, is it risky giving up the fir- uh, the first round pick? It always is. It's also now the second time that the Alouettes have, in a way, given up their first round pick in exchange for a former University of Oregon player. That's true. first one, of course, being Ferdinand Adams. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but uh, I actually just got. Uh, uh, a bit of confirmation from uh, someone who knows John Stone very well. 
one Derek Dennis, uh, who plays for the Calgary Stampeders, uh, a very fantastic O-lineman who has trained with him and worked with him. And he says he's the real deal. So, listen, if Derek Dennis thinks very highly of this kid, then you know what? That's good enough for me. Like that's that's the seal of approval I need. And quite frankly, Alouettes Nation should definitely be excited by this guy. And even if it costs the first first round pick, which some people will still think it's going to be the first overall pick. I mean, it's a, still a little too soon to say, but mm-hmm. only time will tell. But mm-hmm. you know what? I, I've always said when it comes to the draft, take the best player available. And every every report I've read so far is this guy. If he were to actually go to the draft, he would become the best player available. So guess what? In, in a sense, the Alouettes have already gone ahead and taken the best player available. So that's what you want your general manager to do. And quite frankly, I'm I'm very excited. I'm very curious to see this guy in action. And uh, yeah, I, I'm. What else? Is, what else is there to say? Like I'm. Yeah. I'm really excited to see what Tyler Johnstone can do. And uh, also too, he's a podcaster. Yeah. So I heard. So. Uh, Listen, it, Tyler, if if you're listening, by all means, if you want to come on the flight deck and talk about your experience, not just as a football player, but as a podcaster, you know the door is always open. You're more than welcome on the flight deck to uh, to share some of that, by all means. But uh, again, I, I'm really curious to see what this uh, what this young man can do, and uh, hopefully it'll be sooner rather than later. Let's hope. Let's hope. Um... I think the the only other thing that that I think league related, unless you can think of anything else, um, is we got an update on Ricky Ray, and I know we, we haven't mentioned we didn't really mention it, but we want to just uh, say that we do want to wish him the best um, because I've with many of the leagues that we, you and I have both have watched, Cliff, that uh, uh, you have to take things very seriously, and unfortunately, if you do have to walk away from football, we will understand. But doesn't going to d- diminish your uh, your greatness in any way, right? Oh, no question. Uh, I've I've had the pleasure of meeting Ricky Ray, and just an absolute ace of a guy. Uh, I mean, say what you will about him on the field, and believe me, you can't really say anything bad about him on the field. Uh, but uh, just the way he carries himself as a professional, I mean, there's few that are better than him in that regards. I, I'm just the the way he presents himself he's uh, your typical blue collar cfl player in the sense that he shows up with his lunch pail and his work boots and he comes there to do the job and that's what you want out of your starting quarterback you want someone that can take control and lead lead your team to the promised land and ricky ray's done that he's yep. he's he's done it four times he's taken two different teams to and won great cups with them twice that's impressive right there mm-hmm. uh, I, mean, I mean again the you talk about first ballot hall of famer there's no question that ricky ray if he does decide to call the career after the season because or as as a result of what's what what transpired a couple weeks ago i mean uh, i i felt after he won the great cup in, in this past this past november he had nothing left to prove and no. he really should have just rode off in the sunset not because i thought he was his skills were diminishing or anything like that but it's just you want to go out on that high. You want to go out on that positive momentum. And no one would have faulted him in the least if he decided to do so. Right. And, you know, again, if he still felt like he had something to prove, then okay, fine. Let him let him play. But it's just unfortunate. Kind of like Anthony Calvillo. Like, just, I don't want to say stuck around too long because he, he didn't. But 
it's just unfortunate that like Calvillo, it's it's very very likely that maybe Ricky Ray's last football play was his the last image of him is being carted off on the on a stretcher off of the field due to injury. Like that's that's unfortunate. Like a, a guy like Ricky Ray and a guy like Anthony Calvillo deserved so much better than that to have their careers ended like that. But that's football for you, unfortunately. Oh, I know, I know. Well, before we go, I want to remind everybody we actually have some minor changes for us here at the Alouettes flight to K Cliff. We're now on two more, two more providers for uh, for podcasting, and uh, we're we're actually happy to to have joined them. Uh, so not only are we currently on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, but hey, Cliff, we're also now on Stitcher, and you can look for us on Spotify. Obviously, the, one of the main ways you can look for all of our, our past shows is to go to alouettesflightdeck.ca. And if you want to contact us, you can do so at alouettespodcast uh, at gmail.com. Or you can contact Cliff and I by social media directly at, uh, at Cliffy D or myself at repact, R-E-P-P-A-C-T. So, Cliff, another home game. Let's hope that this one is a little bit better. Uh, another Friday night football. Um, uh, I'm hoping it. I'm hoping it's a good game. That's all I can really wish for is that because it's just the way it was before. Yeah, I can't. I can't go through another one of those. No, and quite frankly, I don't think the team can afford to lay another egg like that. So, again, I just want, like you, a good competitive football game. I mean, Ottawa is definitely a team that is going to bring everything they have. So. In turn, Montreal has to bring everything that they have. And I just hope that that good feeling they had this past Saturday in Regina, that, that feeling of relief, first and foremost, to finally get that monkey off their backs, I just hope that they've they've embraced it and they realize that, hey, we can do this. We can compete in this league. Mm-hmm. You know, the, this is the time to do it. And, again, if you can go go into this game on Friday – you know, you know what I was bringing. You're well, you're well aware of what Noel Thorpe can do on defense. You know what Trevor Harris, Greg Ellingson, and Brad Snopley can do on offense. You, you know that this is a dangerous team. If you can hang with these guys, and if you, if, if if you just stay competitive, if nothing else, stay competitive with this team. Good things are going to happen, no matter what, win or lose. As far as I'm concerned, if they can just stay with these guys for 60 minutes. I truly believe that that's, it's, it could help turn the season. I just keep that momentum, that, that positive feeling going. And that's more than anything else what I'm looking forward to this Friday. Yeah, so we obviously all the best to the Owls this week. It's, it's all we can. We, we just want to have that, uh, that, that winning feeling at home, which would be nice to have. So, so for everybody here at the Elowitz Flight Deck for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. We're on Final Approach. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.